thanks for, uh, for being here today. Uh, hopefully uh, your back, your legs, your arms, your core aren't too sore this morning from all that sn uh, heavy snow you had to push around uh, yesterday. Uh, if you reach into your programs and grab that insert uh, and follow along with me, we are wrapping up Romans chapter 13 today. Uh, we have began a couple of weeks ago with verse 1 where Paul uh, it talked about our relationship to the state, to those powers that be, to those governing authorities when he said that we should submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So that overarching principle that we looked at two weeks ago was that our relationship with the, those powers that be, those governing authorities, is that we live in submission to them. We talked about how our heart is to, is to understand that that that's, needs to be our attitude, recognizing that there are times when we will have honest disagreement, when we will have protest, when there are things that we will, will that where, where there are those decisions we will have to make when we say we have to obey God rather than human authority. But those, those times are probably few and far between. And, our, and as we, even as we do that, our attitude should be living in this hupotasso, this, this attitude of submission, this voluntary subordination that we take in relationship to those governing, governing authorities. Knowing that Paul was speaking there not necessarily about individuals, but about the institution of authority that exists in the state. And then last week we talked about love. We talked about that, how love is the one debt that we always have that's outstanding between us. It's the one debt that we're always working on that will never pay off. There never comes a time where I would say, you don't need to love me anymore, or I don't need to love you anymore. That's the one debt that always exists between us. And so we work hard to practically, practically demonstrate that love that we have for one another. Now, Paul's going to make a, a, a transition now. This, uh, in, 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 you can see in your notes, he talks, he talks at the beginning of verse 11 uh, that, that, that there is this um, something else. In, in, my, in, our transla in, your, in your translation, you might be looking at in Romans chapter 13, if you're looking on your phone or in your own Bible or if you're looking on the notes, it says, besides this. And in some uh, translations, it might say, and do this. He's beginning, he's, he's referring to these, these things that he's, he's reaching back to those things that he's talked about, right? He's re reaching back to that, to, to where, where they, they've been in relationship with the, with the law and how, the, how love is the fulfillment of the law, the relationship with the state and their attitude of, of fulfillment. And now he's going to make a, a, a change and a transition between this unique reality that we have in our day. You see, in scripture, it seems that that the Bible has basically uh, broken history down into two things, this age and the age to come. The kingdom of God was inaugurated at the coming of Jesus, but we recognize that that inauguration has not been in full, full realization yet. So we live in the tension of something known as kind of like the in-between. The kingdom of God has come, so it's here already, it's, it's right now, but it's not yet fulfilled. So this already not yet sort of reality is where we live in today's world. We have the understanding that, that, that yes, Jesus has come. We have been born into, by faith, uh, members of the kingdom of God, of the family of God, and yet we don't realize that in its totality yet. And so there is this tension. There is this weird dynamic of living, yes, in the kingdom of God, but still very present 
in the kingdom of this world. And so Paul's going to continue, and he, and he says here, and, and I'm going to just read these uh, few verses together, and if you can follow along with me as I do that, he says, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep, because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, and the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our teacher today and we pray that those words that Paul shared with those Roman believers many years ago would ring true in our hearts today. We pray, God, that we would be changed, that the way we view our existence, that the way we view this, this unique time in which we live, that it would be different and that you would, it would motivate us, God, not in some sense of obligation, but in a, a sense of passion for what you're about and what you've called for us to be about. We pray, God, again, that you would, you would do your work. We pray that you would change us. We pray that you would be honored and glorified. Help us, Lord, to live in line with your truth today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that Paul says to those believers and to us today is, guys, you know what time it is. You know what time it is. And time is this weird thing for most of us, we live in the reality of a chronological understanding of time. Then in you, you guys, if you've been around Calvary, you've heard me teach and, and talk a little bit about this today, this idea and, of biblical time and, 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 and how there's a, kind of two different things that, that seem to emerge when we consider time. There's the time that is measured by our clocks, by our watches, by our day timers, by all of that, by, by our calendars, by our planning. It's yesterday, today, tomorrow. It's last week, this week, next week. It's last year, this year, next year. That's the way we understand time primarily. All of you, if I, if I said to you, what's on your schedule for the rest of the day? Some of you are going to go to the chili cook-off. Some of you have other plans. Some of you are already thinking about what's, on, what's up for the rest of the afternoon. Some of you are already thinking in your mind about all the things that are on your to-do list for the, for the upcoming week, at work, at home, with family, kids, all that kind of stuff. Time is that way. There's the idea of time as we understand it, chronos chronological time, time as a progression or succession of moments. But when Paul says to the, to the uh, Roman believers, you know what time it is, you know, you, you know, since you know the time, he's referring to a different kind of time. The word he uses here is not chronos, not like yesterday, today, tomorrow, but he uses the word kairos, which is, by the way, as one scholar points out, there is no good English equivalent for the word, Greek word kairos. It just doesn't exist. So we, you have to do some work to understand really what does it mean. And it's, it's time, not as a succession of moments, but look at it. But that which, gives an that which time gives an opportunity for you to do. One scholar put it this way, it's the existential moment of opportunity and decision. 
He's, that's what Paul said. That's the kind of time he's referring to when he says to them, since you know the time. Kairos implies not the convenience of the season like, oh, it's time to decorate. The calendar says it's Christmas. Oh, it's time to get up because the alarm clock says, you know, it's time to get up. It's not about that kind of understanding of time. It's not about when something is convenient, but it's the necessity, the urgency of the task at hand, whether or not the particular time, chronos, is convenient for you or not. It's about urgency. It's about appointment. It's this idea of a season of opportunity rather than a succession of moments that go along. And so when Paul says to us, you know what time it is, he is referring to this idea of now is the season of opportunity in your life. Now what then is he going to say about this time where he's going to use some chronological references, ironically, he's going to use some chronos references to time as it relates to while we're living in this age between, or this season between the two epochs, between the two comings of Jesus Christ, between his first advent in his birth and his second advent coming in his triumph. He's going to talk about how we live in between because in a sense, Though our life is made up of individual, I think, little kairos moments that are very uh, eye-opening and awakening for us, in a sense, our, our entire life as we live is one large kairos moment. It's one existential moment of opportunity and decision for you. So here's the three things that Paul is going to say. First, he's going to say, it's time to get up. Because... The time, because you're living in this existential moment of opportunity and decision, because there's this urgency, because you are in this season of opportunity, it's not the time to sleep. It's not the time to just kind of meander through life without purpose, with that kind of like, you know, sleepy eye, not too motivated. It's not, that's not what should characterize for you in, in in your walk. Instead, it's time for you to wake up from your sleep. The alarm clock has gone off. Today, right now, Paul is saying to them, it's time to get up. And it's time not only to get up, but to stay up. Now he's not, he's speaking metaphorically here. He's not speaking literally like there should never be any time that we observe literal sleep. But instead, he's saying it's time for us to wake up from the kind of the, oftentimes the sleepy way we go through life. As if there will always be another day. Always be another opportunity. Always be another chance. Always be that next thing. And Paul is saying, right now, in this instant, get up. Wake up from your sleep. Second thing he's going to say to them is, our salvation is getting closer. He says, our salvation, <clears throat> our salvation is near, excuse me, than when we first believed. Now that just, that's kind of like a no-brainer, right? If we were saved at a particular time, and Jesus, and then like one year, one month, whatever, however much time has progressed, we are that much closer, even though we may be a long ways away, we are that much closer to the full realization of that not yet kingdom. We're already in it, we're not yet fully there, but we are closer now than we were before because time marches on, right? 
So again, he's using these things interchangeably so that he can motivate them. Again, the the overarching thing is see your life as this one big opportunity of uh, a season of opportunity, this, this existential moment where you will make decisions. So get up and realize that salvation is just a little bit closer than when you first believed. Because of that, then he uses another uh, imagery that we use again in, in a chronological sort of way. He says, it's almost daybreak. It's time to get up. Our salvation is closer. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So, now some people have questioned, in fact, some scholars and readers of what Paul has written here would question him and say, kind of Paul misspoke. Because some scholars, some interpreters say, you know, gosh, the night is dragging on. Just continues to, in a sense, if you want to say the, the, the kingdom was inaugurated at the coming of Jesus, it's been dragging on. This nighttime has been dragging on for 2,000 years. And we don't know how long it's going to continue to drag on. But I, I think as we, as we see that, what Paul is saying is he's not saying that necessarily that the, the day is near, meaning, meaning that, that Jesus' second coming is going to happen like right away. That's not his emphasis here. His emphasis is on the urgency that exists because we live in the day of this opportunity uh, between the two epochs. And so we need to seize that opportunity. It's always day. The day is near, and that day will come in God's appointed time. But the day, the way for us to live our lives is as if we were living in the daytime, not as night. So Paul, that's why, why, Paul's saying, why Paul is saying, excuse me, to wake up from your sleep, recognize your salvation is closer, and understand that daybreak is about to happen. And so he's going to say, in our, in our text, he says, beginning there of uh, verse, oh, where is it at? Sorry, I just lost it. Verse 13, sometimes he will say, it will say, so, some translations will say, therefore. And so he, uh, he's going to say to us, <clears throat> in consideration of these time references, there are things then that we should do. Number one, he says, we should dress for battle. We should not dress, he, he says to us, uh, that, that, sent, that we should uh, discard the dar- deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Because we're walking in the daytime, we need to prepare for spiritual battle. Because our life is a season of opportunity to seize, if you will, for the kingdom of God, for God's call on our life, then we should be dressed in a particular way. Not dressed for casual uh, sort of relaxation, but instead dressed for battle because we recognize that our lives as we walk with Jesus Christ as our Lord is a a continual kind of engagement in spiritual warfare. And so Paul's going to say, there's an appropriate way for you to dress. You're supposed to dress for battle. Secondly, he's going to say, there's an appropriate way for you to live. Let us walk with decency, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but instead walk with decency. That word, mean, when you define that word decency, it, it means uh, the technical defra- definition is to live decorously, which some of you know the word decorum, uh, what it means to live with decorum. That's why oftentimes the English translation will be properly or decent. Or decent. And so when Paul, Paul is saying here, the things should, that, that should characterize our lives, 
again, this whole theme of nighttime, daytime, sunrise versus the, the, the living in the, in the nighttime sort of way. He's saying, wake up. It's not time to live in the, walk in the deeds of darkness, but instead you put on that armor of light, and that's going to be characterized by you not living in this way, right? He's going to get a, give a positive and a negative. So the positive is walk with decency, as in the daytime, the negative is you shouldn't be characterized. Our lives shouldn't be t- characterized by carousing and drunkenness. It shouldn't be characterized by sexual impurity or promiscuity. It shouldn't be characterized by quarreling and jealousy. So Paul puts some really big ones out there, right? For many of us, you know, this idea of, of drunkenness and sexual impurity, those are some pretty big things that, you know, we would say obvious things to avoid. But then connected with those big things of drunkenness and sexual impurity, Paul also uses something like jealousy and a matter of the heart or quarreling, discord, division, arguments. So in all things, we should walk with decency in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we handle, uh, handle things, in the way that we operate in, a, in our sexual lives, as well as the way we relate to each other that shouldn't be characterized by quarreling and jealousy. So there's a proper or appropriate way to dress. We're dressed for battle because we're engaged in spiritual warfare. Why? Because we're living in this age between the kingdoms where we're warring against the desires of our flesh. And so he talks about dressing properly. He talks about living properly. And then he talks about the proper preoccupation. And he says to us <clears throat> in Romans 13, 13, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to, dra- to gratify the desires of the flesh. I represent this, uh, this exhortation for Paul by saying we're to sink into Jesus. I say sink into Jesus because the word that's translated put on in our English Bibles is the, is the Greek word enduo, which means to sink into clothing, to put on, to clothe oneself. Think about being immersed in the person of Jesus, completely wrapped up with him, completely consumed by him. Some of you, when you went out to it wasn't too, uh, too cold yesterday, but on those days when it's, when it's like super cold and you're going to spend a lot of time out in the cold and maybe you got to shovel or work outside or, or whatever it might be, you know, you bundle up. You've got layers on, you've got gloves on, you've got boots on, basically kind of the only thing that sometimes you can see, you got a hat on, only thing sometimes you can see is your face and sometimes that's even covered. Think about that image in this idea of this exhortation that Paul is giving to us to sink into Jesus, to completely get lost in Jesus. This idea, like Paul said to a different group of people when he said, I no longer live, but the life I live, I live by Jesus living through me. I have been crucified with Christ Jesus. I have so sunk into him, I have so put him on in my life that now it's no longer my life. It's no longer my desires. What, do I, what did he say to them? Don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. And probably he's referring to some of those very things like impurity, prom- sexual impurity, promiscuity, drunkenness, quarreling, jealousy. Don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. But instead, sink into Jesus. Be consumed by him. Be enveloped by him. 
so that your life is not your, your way, your will, your desires, but instead it's his for you. And the reason that we're doing all of that is because why? Because daybreak is, is close. Our salvation is getting close. It's time to wake up. So we dress properly, we behave properly, and we have the proper preoccupation. We are focused we are cons- on Jesus. We are consumed by Jesus. We are, if you will, wrapped up completely with the person of Jesus Christ. Sometimes <clears throat> in our lives, in this living in the in-between tension of we are already part of the kingdom of God if we've received Jesus by faith, but if we're in that not yet state of its full realization, sometimes there can be unsettledness, frustration, disappointment, discouragement. So that's why it's so important to hear Paul's clarion call here to those Roman believers and to us today when he says to them, you know the time. This is the appointed time for you to wake up. Get dressed. And lose yourself in the person of Jesus. Because the way that you live in this in-between time, it's so essential. In fact, Paul uses the same word when he says, Make the most of every opportunity as it relates to the way in which we deal with outsiders, meaning presumably Paul referring to people who are not yet part of the family of God, who have not yet received Jesus as Savior. Our entire lives, the way we relate to God, the way we relate to each other in the family of God, the way we relate to people who don't yet know Jesus as Savior, our entire lives are an opportunity for us to walk in the light of Jesus, not in the deeds of darkness, not trying to gratify what I think, not always thinking about the axis, the the world that revolves around an axis that cuts through the very center of my body, not being consumed with self, not being consumed with how that self can be fed and gratified and preserved but losing myself in the person of Jesus, the one who said, follow me and I will give you life. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The one who invites us into a life that he's always designed for us, but that we wouldn't choose on our own. He's inviting us through the power of his Holy Spirit to allow ourselves to get lost in him. What's your obsession? What's your preoccupation? What are you consumed by? What are you focused on? Whatever that might be, may I encourage you, if it's not the person of Jesus, to change it today. You know the time. It's time for you to wake up. Our salvation, is, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let us walk with decency. 
Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual purity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, it's so easy for us to be preoccupied with ourself. How we can just preoccupied with how, how are we just going to get through another day? How can we make ourselves like feel better for just a moment, just a night, just a weekend? We self-medicate, Lord, in so many ways. Ultimately, they're empty. Ultimately, they hurt us more than help us. And yet, God, you know us. You know how we run for things to help us to just get through, to make it through life. And God, instead of seeing our lives in that manner, would you help us to see the totality of our existence as this moment of opportunity and decision so that we don't sleepwalk through, so that we don't make plans and focus on gratifying ourselves as we go through it, but instead that somehow, some way, God, by faith, that we could find ourselves getting lost in the person of Jesus, consumed by his person, obsessed with his word, filled with his Holy Spirit. God, that's it's not the way we would choose for ourselves. But we know it's the way you would choose for us. And so we pray, God, that we would humble ourselves under the truth of your word and under this call, this call that you have on our life to surrender to you so that our lives in this in-between time, this in-between kingdoms sort of living that we find ourselves, our lives could be characterized by that which you would want for us, much more than what we would want for ourselves. We thank you, God, and we thank you for the invitation, and we pray that you would fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we could live accordingly. We know you want us not to just be hearers of the word, Lord, but doers. And so we pray that you would transform us from the inside out to be just that as we relate to these uh, verses that so many years ago Paul wrote to the Roman believers and that we believe God are your same, the same kind of call that you have on our lives for today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.